0: Hello and welcome to episode four of the Mind Body Power podcast. I'm Sean Blair. In this episode, I'll be speaking to Dave Crossland, who came to prominence with the release of the documentary Under Construction, which charted his attempt to go from being 300 pounds to a huge 365 pounds with the use of steroids. Dave has a lot of experience in the area and has actually been brought in by the military to provide them with uh, with advice on steroid use, as well as often being an expert witness in cases related to the supply of steroids as well. In the episode, we'll be covering a lot of areas regarding steroids, including what they are, what they do, side effects, benefits, basically everything that you could think of to ask about them but probably have been afraid to up to this point. So it's well worth the listen and I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, I'm doing very well here. It's a bit hot and humid in London, but other than that, doing pretty well. So, how is it in your end?
1: It's been quite warm, not too bad. I spent most of the day busy sorting crap out, so I haven't really seen much of it, to be honest. Yeah,
0: (laughs) that's the way. Uh, But Dave, for anyone who's not familiar with you, um, just give us a bit of your background, who you are and what you do.
1: Oh, my name is Dave Crossland. Um, My official title is performance and image enhancing drug specialist. Uh, Basically, what I do is I talk about, talk to or help steroid users or people that deal with steroids in any such way. So I deal with users on a one-to-one basis, uh, primarily On more of a harm reduction safety side but I also help them design cycles and that sort of thing I present steroid awareness to the military um, and make serving personnel aware of the do's and don'ts and regulations regarding what they can and can't do within the armed forces Um, within that I also cover supplement use as well I lecture at the Kent Police Expert Witness training course, where I educate police officers that are learning to be taught on big aspects of steroid cases, which is something I also do myself. I, I specialize in defense, uh, and I work in a courts as an expert witness on steroid-related cases. Uh, I'm just starting to branch out into other recreational drugs as well. I train harm reduction workers. I've trained police officers. I've advised the media. I've been involved in quite a few documentaries, both UK based and international. Uh, I have produced two documentaries alongside JG Films, uh, James Grealish. The first one uh, tracks me going from 300 pounds to 365 pounds. And it showed drug use and life in general, and every aspect of it, there was nothing hidden. It was very much a fly on the wall. The second one tracked me continuing to try and reach 400 pounds. But in the the second one, we also investigated underground labs, how the drugs were made, the financial aspects of it all. We looked at body dysmorphia. We looked at the health implications of my own usage. Uh, We spoke to other users. We went to Denmark because they have particularly strict uh, legislation over there regarding steroids. Um, And and the second one, to be fair, was a much more darker film as you see my health decline as I pursue this, continually try and pursue this goal. Um, At the moment, I'm in the middle of writing a book. So that's going to take some time. Um, and I'm developing a app, which is... If you think of my fitness pal for steroid users, okay. then you get an idea of where I'm going with the app.
0: Yeah. Okay. So just touching on that, um, the thing with the military, that was something which really stood out to me. Firstly, what is the legal situation for steroids and performance-enhancing drugs in the UK? So I believe it's illegal in the, the United States, but what is the legal... Um, side of things here
1: right basically they are listed as a class C drug um, under the drugs act but there is an exemption clause that states if they are for personal use they are exempt now this is where it gets very gray okay because if a police were to search your home and find a number of steroids. The whole big argument then, in and when it goes to court, is what amount quantifies personal use?
0: Yeah. So I saw in your uh, documentary, you actually show, in the first one, you actually show. Um, I'm not sure if it was everything you had for a cycle. I believe it was in your fridge or in a cupboard or something like that. And it looked like a lot to me. I I mean, I don't have experience with this, but it looked like a lot.
1: Yeah, I mean, to a lot of people, um, that would be quantifiable as supply. It wasn't. It was my personal use. But the point is that, so this you can see where it becomes an argument in, in court because it's down to an individual. And so based on the evidence and statements, I then have to make a decision in my ex whether what that individual is saying it, it is, um, plausible. Okay. Um, obviously most steroid users have a cycle plan, have an idea of what they're using. So therefore that should, to a degree, told with what they've got. Um, but it get it can get quite in depth and quite complex. Yeah. Um, I, 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 there's a lot of paperwork involved, but the really enjoying bit for me is the actual standing in the box, because I like the the, the, the battle of wit that you end up having with a barrister who's trying to trip yeah. you up and deliberately stood there trying to make you look at it. And I, en- I enjoy that sort of banter almost. I find that quite challenging, but at the same time quite rewarding.
0: Okay. Yeah, so in terms of the military... Are you basically saying there are people within the military that use these drugs for one reason or other and you're advising Um, them on safe use or?
1: No, the military policy is that they cannot use. Uh, Now, the military roughly has around 600 drug positive failures a year. The vast majority of them are for cocaine. Uh, in 2014, 2016, there was, I think it was 119 failed for steroids or similar. i.e. pro hormones, main number one. Uh, that's when I was asked to develop the program. Uh, so the program covers what steroids are, how they work, what they do, what the general risks and side effects are, what the military's policy is on them and how to actually function in a modern military. They're not actually something you really need to do. Yeah. Um, modern military is about fitness and speed and body-to-weight power ratios. It's not about size. That becomes cumbersome. It doesn't work. I mean, I can't fit in a tank. I can't fit in a helicopter. I can't fit in pretty much any vehicle that the military uses. Even so, <laughs> okay. I go base. Yeah. I try to get in one. They won't let me. Uh, And and it's just you know that it's those aspects of things and I don't stand there and say look steroids are bad You shouldn't use them. I'm honest and I I openly admit that I've used quite a lot and there's not much I haven't used and I've abused them to that as well Uh, And my argument is look if you want to use You've got to leave because at the end of the day It's not in the rules and it's going to cost you your career and your pension and various other things if you get caught and then we go through supplements, and the fact is that the military only allows supplement use that's come from um, informed sport.
0: Okay.
1: So uh, okay. I just basically reiterate what the policy is, and we go through a few supplements and whether they're any good or not and that sort of thing. So it, it's, it has to be a not usage sort of, of seminar because that's the rules, but it's not an all steroids are evil and shouldn't be touched one. I try and yeah. be as honest as I can within the realms that I'm allowed to go.
0: Okay, that makes perfect sense there. Um, just going on to something you said there, you said that you haven't just used steroids and performance enhancing drugs, you've abused them, but my question is, can you use these types of drugs without going into that side of ab- abusing them?
1: Well, let's get something straight from the fact and I don't care who you are, and I don't care if it rustles your feathers you don't fucking like it, if you're a steroid user, you're abusing them. Yeah, because at the end of the day, these are medications that were designed for a specific purpose. If you're not using them for that purpose at the dosages they were designed to be used for, then you are technically abusing them. So first thing is you're a drug abuser. All right,
0: okay. there's
1: no shame in that. Don't look at it as a negative connotation. It just is what it is. Within that, there obviously is serious abuse. Um, now, can steroids be used safely? Well, no drug is safe. Uh, but the risks can be managed, particularly if you're aware of what they are and you know what to look for. Um, I mean, let's put steroid steroid harms in context. Okay. At my largest, I was using 5,000 milligrams of steroids a week, so five grams. Okay. Now, bear in mind the medical dosage of required for testosterone levels within a human male is about 50 milligrams a week. Yeah. So I'm abusing them about a hundred times at what their medical requirement is. If I took a hundred times the recommended dosage of aspirin or paracetamol, (laughs) I'd most likely be dead. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, they are harmful. They do have risks associated with them. But if you're aware of those, you can manage. You know, crossing the road is a risk. And if you're not aware that cars come down that road quite quickly, chances are you're going to be brown bread pretty quick. But if you're aware of that, then you manage the risks. And it's exactly the same scenario. And it's down to the individual person and what their perception of risk and reward is for usage as to how far they push their limits.
0: Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. Um, just going on to that, so what are some of the, the side effects of steroid use? And if we talk generally um, sort of the most, common, uh, most commonly taken drugs, what are some of these side effects?
1: Well, obviously, the most common drug is testosterone. It's yeah. the primary male hormone. It's the base of most people's usage. Um, now, males don't produce estrogen as a hormone. They convert testosterone to estrogen. As you increase your testosterone levels within your body, your body wants to stay in homeostasis, wants to stay balanced, so it's going, to, it's going to upregulate the conversion of that, or the aromatization of that, into okay. estrogen. High estrogen can cause water retention, it can cause female pattern fat deposits, it can cause libido issues, and it can cause the development of breast tissue, gyno, more yeah. commonly referred to as bitch tip. Yeah. Uh, now you can take drugs to block prevent this in various manners most steroids will increase your RBC to some degree particular ones are more proficient at it but in general all steroids will increase your red blood cell count this can result in thicker blood which in turn can result in higher blood pressure okay now higher blood pressure if it's not medically high it still has some effects on the body and the two main areas that it affects is the heart and the kidneys Increased blood pressure will damage the kidneys. Now steroids in their own directly do not damage the kidneys whatsoever, but poor hydration or high blood pressure will. Uh, The increased pressure will also encourage heart wall thickening. The other thing that testosterone has an effect on the heart is it reduces heart elasticity. Now a heavy user can get to the situation where they've got a thickened wall, a lack of flexibility. And if they come into a situation where they're under a lot of pressure, Yeah. This can cause the heart to start to struggle and create a cardiac arrest. Um, Other dangers are testosterone converts to DHT. Now, DHT is dihydrotestosterone and it is a lot more potent. Now, this is genetic based. so It's one of those things you're either prone to it or not. This can cause hair loss. It can cause acne. Um, you can take stuff like finasteride, which is a DHT conversion blocker. It's, it's converted by the five alpha reductase enzyme. Um, yeah. finasteride will stop that, but then you are lessening the effect of that testosterone on your body. So okay. it's one of them situations personally, if you lose your hair, my opinion is if you lose your hair, you lose your hair. If you don't want to lose your hair, don't take the drugs. There's no real way of testing for it. It's just one of those things. Yeah. Um, other um, things include acne because the steroid will have acted upon receptors within the oil-producing glands of the skin, potential enlargement of the prostate, obviously the shutdown of your own natural production, which some people can have difficulty in getting that to restart after they've finished using. Uh, now, probably one of the areas that is most overlooked that is I've been banging on about this for years and finally people are starting to bloody listen is lipids cholesterol. Okay. The vast majority of steroids will lower your good cholesterol. Uh, Certain steroids will even increase your bad cholesterol LDL. Um, Orals are particularly bad at this. Unfortunately, so are aromatizing inhibitors, which are part of your estrogen management. They also massively increase uh, the reduction of HDL. Now, Over a short period of time, we're not talking any major concern. Over a long period of time, this is gonna increase the development of plaque on your artery walls. Now, you're not gonna know. You ain't gonna feel any different. You're not gonna pick it up in any way. Now, you might use steroids in your 20s and use them for four or five years and then stop because your life changes, your goals change, you get married, you have kids, wherever it may be. And then find you have a heart attack at the age of 45 because you've got high buildup and narrow arteries. And it's caused by the steroid use in your 20s. Yeah. So cholesterol management is very, very important. And it's probably an area that a lot of guys overlook. Now, for most serious users, they manage to keep it in some form of check because their diets are usually pretty good. Okay. But the biggest growth in steroid use has been in casual users, cosmetic users, lung yards that just want to look good for their trip to Ibiza. And unfortunately, generally speaking, they're using the drugs as a shortcut. And as a result, their diets aren't very good. So we have a double whammy then, because we have a poor diet and we have a drug that affects lipids in a very negative way. Okay. Uh, so it's just like again, if you're aware, you can check. The most important thing for a steroid user is testing. Regular blood testing to know what's happening with both the lipids and the estrogen levels.
0: Okay. And can you get that just from your your GP or hospital?
1: Some GPs are understanding, but if not, you can go to Medichex, and it's not overly expensive. I mean, you only really need one or two tests in a cycle. Uh, And, I mean, the problem is when you start looking at steroid cycles, the actual drug element of it is quite cheap. It's when you start getting into all the preventive measures and all the protective measures, that's when you start finding the expense, and that's why a lot of people skip it. Yeah. If my cycle is going to cost me 150 quid in drugs, but it's going to cost me another 150 quid to, to get two blood checks and do this and do that, well, that's another cycle I could be paying for.
0: I can't see what you mean.
1: And that's how people view it, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, and plus, you know, when we're young, we have this attitude of, well, I'm indestructible, it ain't going to damage me. Uh, and then you've got the other aspect that we now have a generation that, that – is probably a second generation actually, which generally has a very open attitude towards general drug use. You know, they came up through the 90s, they came up through the rave scene, where AIDS were prevalent, and, and obviously weed now is very, very common. And, and in general, people have a lot more relaxed approach to drug use, where you went back 20 years and steroid use was very, very taboo. Um, And it wasn't spoken about and it was reserved to a select group of people now I mean from the studies. I've done the research. I've seen I I would put users in the UK at 2 million possibly more
0: Okay, that I would never have guessed it was that high
1: Well the Northeast of England our reduction units so basically needle exchanges extrapolated from their per capita usage. Yeah, it was 900,000 users in the country now the Northeast has a higher concentration of users per capita than, say, some sort of different areas of the country.
0: Yeah.
1: But only probably 35, if at a push for 40% of users use needle exchange services. So when you balance it out, no, I think 2 million is a, a very reasonable figure. Yeah. Yeah. And again,
0: do you think that's just from, as you said, from casual users?
1: That's been the biggest growth market, Okay. Uh, but we have other areas of growth. You know, uh, there's a massive uh, growth of youth in middle-aged men that are turning to self-diagnosed TRT.
0: Yeah, I see.
1: So, you know, they're going to the doctors and and doctors explaining that, yeah, you feel a bit tired and you're not quite on your ball because your test levels are dropping. So they say, well, can I have anything for it? Well, no, your test levels aren't low enough for that. All right, okay. And then they're going home, and obviously they're getting on the internet, and they're having a look to see where it is, and where they find TRT explained. They find an advert, and for that, selling them steroids, yep. um, and they just start self-diagnosing. And I come across a lot, a lot of people that do that. Okay. Uh, people just don't want to get old anymore; they want to stay young. So that's a massive uh, user group that's growing. Yeah. Uh, and then you've also got with the expansion of the bodybuilding community, in that you've now got. Um, men's fitness bikini, whatever you want to call it, and you've got the bikini classes in women. Now, these were brought in because they were supposed to give a healthy outlook to the public image and they were supposed to look at like natural and get away from the drug connotations that the heavyweight bodybuilding yeah. brought.
0: A more attainable well, look.
1: Yeah, but unfortunately, a vast majority of the people competing in these classes are using drugs. Yeah. Uh, And uh, it's it's not that they can't achieve the look they need without drugs. It's just that it's damn sight easier to use the drugs. So why should I do the hard work? I mean that is that is probably more a reflection on society in general these days than anything else.
0: That definitely seems uh, definitely seems like a reasonable view. I mean, on that note, sort of men's physique and I'm not sure sure what some of these other classes are now. They look like uh, bodybuilders of sort of the 60s and 70s, whereas now modern day bodybuilders look like. Completely different people, sort of uh, those top bodybuilders, the Kai Greens and Phil Heath and, and people like that.
1: Well, um, I mean, I, I've even, you know, I've even had messages from bikini models. Uh, yeah. Now, bikini is supposed to be quite a soft look. Uh, um, they're supposed to look athletic uh, with a, a hint of abdominal, but not really severely separated. And, and they're talking about anavar cycles and growth hormone cycles and cutting on T3 and climbing this that. And the other. I'm like, you're not even shredded yeah you're not even going to extremes why are you looking at these drugs but you know i mean i lie to judge at the end of the day it's a personal thing
0: yep i agree um let's just go a bit deeper into some of the language you, you said trt and i i understand what that is a uh, testosterone replacement therapy that was a uh, was kind of a scandal about that in mixed martial arts in the ufc uh a few years back so i understand sort of what that is people wanting to bring those testosterone levels back up as their natural um, their natural promotion of testosterone starts to drop, as we know, in men sort of over 30s as you get older. But let's get into some more of the language. You, you talked about orals. Um, so orals, is that a, a class of drug or is that literally just the way you take the drug?
1: It's just the way you take it. Doug. So it, it's okay. a tablet form of the steroid. Um, in order for um, a steroid to be Oral it has to be 17-alkylated because it has to withstand bypass by the liver.
0: Yeah.
1: As a result, orals tend to stress the liver a lot more than injectable does. Most, not all, most injectables are quite gentle on the liver. Okay. Uh, But orals tend not to be.
0: Okay. So why would someone, just going into that a little bit deeper, why would someone choose an an oral over an injectable if it has more strain on the liver?
1: Uh, well, we've got to put this in context as well. I mean, um, if you ever get given antibiotics by the doctor, go and ask for a liver test after you've been taking them for a week and look at your liver yeah. values. You know, it, it, it's, the issue with, with, with oral courses is not really the fact that they stress the liver, it's the fact that if you keep using them for very long periods of time, that stress starts to become damaged. If they're used sensibly, those stresses can soon easily be controlled okay however for a lot of people just starting out the thought of injecting is scary Uh, I mean when you look at drug users and you think of drug use in general so you think of the whole world of drug users so we've got ketamine users we've got people use ease snort coke smoke weed smoke crack whatever it may be who are the hardcore drug users the ones that inject yeah so for a lot of people, you know, starting out, the thought of injecting is something they struggle with. Uh, it scares them and they don't like it because it's a, it's, it's associated with hard, hard use. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, and you've mentioned several times cycle. So what do you mean by a, a cycle?
1: A cycle is a period of time in which you take your steroids for. Um This can range depending on how you approach your drug use. Uh, Very short, what they call Schick cycles, super high intensity cycles, Um, tend to be around four to six weeks. Uh, They're usually coupled with a period of time when you're on a very low dose, normally called a cruise. The theory behind a cruise is that it should mimic your natural levels, and basically it's just a case of... Uh, when you know run the the, the old-fashioned way of taking steroids or the standard way of taking steroids was you'd start a cycle, it'd be 10-12 weeks long. When you finish that, you'd go through what's known as PCT, post-cycle therapy. Uh, that takes between 30 and 40 days, and that helps restore your natural test levels. And then you do a period of time with no drugs at all, and then you repeat the process. Okay. Now. Some people argue that certain PCT drugs are quite harsh. Uh, Some people don't get on with it. And some people, it's just down to pure insecurity that they think they're losing size. So they opt to stay on. So what they then do, what then developed and what was then very common practice and still is now is what's known as blast cruise. So you stay on a low dose, which is ideally supposed to mimic your natural levels. So it would effectively be a TRT dose.
0: Yeah, I can see.
1: Uh, and then you'd put cycles over the top of that. Unfortunately, what a lot of people do is run their, their cruise levels are far too high. Yeah. Uh, and they're not really on a cruise. They're on a low cycle. Uh, and so they end up being on, on... And it's not so much how much you take with steroid use that's the big defining factor when it comes to damage. It's how long you take it for, particularly okay. when it comes to testicular shutdown. So the longer your testes are not in production the bigger problem you're going to have getting them to work when you finish using your drugs.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, so cycles, do people do them? What, what is the reason behind doing a cycle and not just blasting and cruising, as you said there?
1: Uh, well, the main thing is health. Um, but, I mean, there are other factors to it as well. Injecting gets tiresome. Um, you can start to develop scar tissue uh, on your injection sites. Certain types of drugs can cause quite a lot of post-injection pain, more commonly referred to as PIP. Uh, So there can be a plethora of reasons why you want to break from injecting. Uh, Now, there is a common myth that your receptors desensitize, which is absolute rubbish. Yeah. Uh, An androgen receptor has a half-life, I think, of about four hours. So they are constantly being replaced and refreshed. It's not your receptors that desensitize. What it is, is it's your body's reaction that desensitizes. I mean, the easiest way I can explain this is that if you driving down the road at 30 mile an hour and you're in an area where it's predominantly 30 and 40 mile an hour, then you get on the motorway. When you first get on the motorway, that seems fast. Yeah. After about half an hour, it doesn't seem so quick and maneuvering within the traffic just seems a lot easier and a lot more casual when you first come off, if you drop straight into a 30 mile an hour zone, that seems really slow. Now, if you go back onto the motorway, pretty much straight away, it's not gonna seem fast again because your body hasn't adapted to the slower speed, your perception yeah. hasn't adapted. But if you stay on those 30 mile an hour roads for quite a period of time, then go back on the motorway, again, the motorway will seem fast.
0: Yeah. And that's
1: yeah. how you wanna look at how the body views the input of drugs. If you're inputting a load of drugs, your body's constantly trying to adapt. It doesn't want to change. It doesn't want to be pushed into more muscle mass It's completely against what our bodies want to do naturally. So it fights you all the way. So it will try and continually try to adapt to those levels. So the longer you are on the impact of the steroids will start to lessen. Yeah. Now, if you take time off, your receptors are constantly sensitive at the same rate. There's no issue there if you take time off, it gives your other systems a chance to refresh and relax and get ready for it. And you've got to remember as well, when you're on steroids, you're supercharging your system. So you're you're asking, you're putting a lot of demands both on your central nervous system, on your digestive system, on everything to work at its optimum. And that is hard work and it's hard work for the body and our systems get tired. So... Quite often, a break will actually result in better gains later on down the line than continuing plying through even at a low dose. Okay, I see. I mean, it does become a point when you breach your genetic potential, i.e. you get to a point where you are beyond what your body can hold naturally, where some sort of drug input would have to be there consistently or you will lose size.
0: Yeah.
1: You'll you'll notice uh, after every Olympia every year and after the main competitive season's gone, Photographs will emerge of pro bodybuilders, top pro bodybuilders. Oh, he's lost loads of size. Has he retired? Has he done this? No, he's just come off the drugs. Yeah. And then basically he'll have some time down. He'll let his body repair and recover because competing is very demanding. Yeah. And then when he goes back on, you'll suddenly see all the size reappears.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, just going on to Olympia, uh, I'm not sure if this is true or not, but is that, that competition drug tested?
1: No. I okay, tried so yeah. to randomly drug test it some okay. years ago now, yeah. and I can't remember exactly when. Uh, and I believe, well, I won't say a figure because I'd probably be wrong. So all I'll say is that there was a marked decrease in the body weight of the athletes on, on stage.
0: Okay. That just seemed
1: completely counterproductive. Uh, and the sponsors. From my the sponsor. Yeah, well, my sponsors, the sponsors, I believe, I understand that this is the sponsors, turned around and said, if you ever do that again, we're not. In the show, yeah. because yeah, people see- want to see freaks. They don't want to see a guy that looks a little bit better than them. They want to see a guy that blows the bloody mind. Yeah, that's what performs in seats. So when guys were turning up off par, people were disappointed. So it's never been tested since.
0: Yeah. Now, so given us some figures which you think for drug use amongst their general population, sort of up to maybe two million in the UK. In terms of athletes, we, we've obviously had quite a lot of scandals recently surrounding the Olympics and Russia and things like that in terms of performance-enhancing drugs. But just how prevalent do you think their use is amongst professional athletes?
1: You'd be better saying how many do you think don't use.
0: <laughs> that's, that's what I am thinking too, yeah.
1: Um, well, let's put it this way, okay? Uh, Russia ran a well-documented national doping regime in, I think it was the 90s, using T-Bol, Turabolic.
0: Okay.
1: Right? They, they did more research on that drug than any scientist ever had, because they had every athlete on it. Dyrabol was invented in conjunction with Upjohn Pharmacies by a guy called Dr. John Ziegler. It was invented for the American lifting team. Yeah. So if America are going to fund the development of a steroid for their Olympic lifting team and Russia are going to run a state controlled program doping every athlete they've got, you telling me drugs aren't used in sport? No, of course they are. Now there was there was a survey done and I, I can't can't for the love of me remember what it was it's actually named as something and they spoke to a number of top amateur athletes and, and low end professional athletes and they basically said to them if we could give you a tablet that would make you the best at your sport in the world but would kill you in ten years time would you take it ninety nine percent or something of that nature said yes yeah. You know, when you're driven to be the best in the world and you dedicate your whole life to it, you telling me if someone passes you a chemical and says, take this and it will make you the best, you're going to say no? That's not a criticism. It's just a hard fact that if you are that pushed, that dedicated to achieve that goal, you'll pretty much do anything to get there. Particularly if you have a coach or a team behind you Supporting and promoting you now people go on about drug testing. A large number of athletes are are Not um, They're not pulled in for testing They're asked when they can attend testing
0: Okay, so, so you structure what they're doing
1: around that. It's all managed, you know, um, there's been several stories throughout sport history, and you, you question whether some of them are true, that there's been a large number of failures at certain games and it's been hidden because it would have been a disaster to the games or they were top-named athletes or whatever reason it was. Um, there's been an American athlete, and I can't remember his name, who was very outspoken about it, um, and he, he got banned for steroid use. Uh, and they asked him in an interview, well, did you get any pressure from any of your peers? Did any of your peers? He said, no, not one of my peers has ever said a bad word about me. And he went, well, why is that? He says, because they're all bloody using it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, how often do you see athletes come out shouting and ranting and raving, uh, about, um, a fellow graphic, oh, he's a cheat, he's this, he's... That. Ain't that often. Um, and when you look at the money involved and you look at the pressure involved and you look at the prestige for the countries involved, I mean, the Olympic Games is worth billions to the company that ho- the country that hosts it. Um, the advertisement, the media, the market, and everything. So, no, I have no doubt that use within professional athletes is very, very high.
0: Yeah, and, and do you think that there is an argument um, for having some of these drugs sort of? brought into sports legally and sort of managed for the athletes is when you think of what a professional athlete does for example yeah. in a sport like American football or in mixed martial arts okay. where the,
1: the funny thing is all right. now I, again I, I'm unfortunately I have a very bad memory for names um, it's not very good at my trade of work I know I must admit <laughs> but unfortunately I do I tend to have to look names up quite a lot now there was a gentleman who was asked, he was a... Either you have a small laboratory or he works as a research lab assistant at university and he was asked to do the testing for the Olympic Games decades ago. He did. And then he ended up doing it every year. And it, it resulted in his lab being the largest testing lab for sports in the world. He recently retired and he turned around and said, it's a complete and utter waste of time. He said, the budget for wider for last year was $12 million. he said, we have athletes earning more than that, that we're testing. He said, it's pointless. He said, it doesn't stop it. And all it does is encourage dangerous practices. He says, everybody's using and would be a lot better and a lot more sensible to actually allow it and manage it. We'd yeah. keep athletes safer. And it isn't going to make much difference to people's performances anyway, because they're already all on it. Uh, And there seems to be a growing number of people involved in athlete testing that are coming out and saying the same thing. It's pointless. It's ridiculous. We can't keep on top of the game. It's a waste of money, and we'd be better and more proactive in monitoring use and promoting good health. So there you go. And I'm pretty much the same ilk. I don't judge usage. I'm not pro-use. I'm not against use. I just think it's a personal choice. I'd rather see people legitimately use and be managed than see people be legitimately using and taking risks. Yeah.
0: So we've spoken about some of the, the side effects of these drugs now. Do you think that, what are some of the positives? Because obviously there are some because people use them and, Obviously, it seems like a very high number of people are using them in sport and in day-to-day life. What are some of the some of the positives, some of the benefits of actually using the these drugs?
1: Well, for the for the average user in mean, generally, for the average user, I mean, obviously they've got medical benefits. Um, yeah. And if you're suffering from low testosterone, then TRT is going to be your best friend ever because all of a sudden you're going to feel human again. You're not going to be a fat git. You're going to have a libido and you're going to actually have some get up and drive, and you're not going to be severely depressed. Um, However, for those who use beyond medical use or use beyond low test levels and just use for more enhancement levels, for most people it's down to body image and it's down to confidence and securities. Uh, You speak to anybody and generally speaking they'll they'll not be happy with this or that or some aspect of their physique or their look or, you know, my ears are too big or I'm too fat or I'm too skinny or whatever it is, I'm not sure old enough, I'm too short, I'm too this or whatever. And so when a drug helps to improve those negatives that they see about themselves, obviously it improves that person's um, self-perception and therefore their confidence and their well-being. And I've seen it vastly improve people that have been close to suicide because of their body image or because they were bullied and lacked confidence and various other aspects of it. Um, same in the view of fat loss tablets. I mean, I know they're not directly steroids, but they're grouped within the same group. Um, you know, people that have struggled with weight loss and then have been given a fat burner, that's illicit fat burner, and it's improved their quality of life massively. So there are plenty of people that that get benefits out of these drugs from from a feeling of well-being uh, and improving health from the physical aspect. Uh, and are improving in health from a mental aspect. However, it is a two-edged sword. And I've also seen plenty of people that have become psychologically dependent on the drug because their confidence and their image is based around drug use. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, it's a difficult one, and it's very similar to people that rely on alcohol for confidence when they go out. You then find up they end up having a drink problem. Because they can't go out and be confident without some alcohol, you know, and and the problem is that a lot of people don't even realize they're dependent.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, I dealt with a gentleman recently. um, He got very defensive with me and he got very arsey with me, explained that I wasn't having a go. I was just literally concerned about his well-being because he cited that he'd quit a job because it it interrupted his drug-taking protocols. Okay. And I was like, if you have got to the point where drugs are governing your employment, you've got to start asking yourself a few questions. And that's when it starts to become problematic. And unfortunately, that group of those problems are growing more and more and more. I'm finding people that have dependency issues based around, psychologically dependent on on the chemicals due to the impact they have on their lives or their image.
0: Yeah. And have you ever been in that position yourself with, with the drug use?
1: uh i wouldn't say i've been to a point where i was dependent on the drug for image or or well-being but i have been at the point where i lost sight of the reality of the situation because i was so focused on the goal i was trying to achieve uh and i did probably focus A little bit, well, no, without doubt, actually, I did focus too much on on the drug use element of what I was doing. Uh, However, um, it didn't take long to get a clear picture. Uh, And, I mean, I've always taken drugs for a purpose. Yeah. When the purpose is no longer there, I don't take the drugs. Okay. So, and I've always had that. So, I've never had a dependency where I needed them. Uh, But I did have a period of time where I lost sight of the reality of what I was doing and where I was. Yeah. Uh, But that would probably be more down to a determination to achieve goals and anything to do with with the drug use, to be fair. But obviously drug use was involved in that attempt to achieve a goal.
0: Okay, so let's talk about the, uh, the two documentaries now, Under Construction and Under Construction 2. Um, you mentioned that your your goals within those were there were weight gain, sort of going from 300 pounds, which is already huge, <laughs> to 365, and then from around that 365 to 400 pounds. So, what was the thinking behind that that goal for yourself?
1: Well, the initial one, uh, i I'd, I'd I'd been intending on competing uh, bodybuilding again. Uh, yeah. I haven't competed since a junior, and I had my left pec is completely detached. And it was actually Alvin Smolder taught me into dieting and competing. Um, and I've been dieting effectively for about two years. Um, and I'd got down, uh, calipers were showing 11%. Uh, now, unbeknownst to me, I have a kidney issue. Okay. I've had it for 15 years. But at this point, I'm not aware of it. So I'm struggling because I am seem to be holding water all the time. Uh, and, and I don't seem to be getting any leaner. And I'm dropping carbs and I'm cycling and I'm doing more, more cardio and, and nothing seems to be working. Um, and I got burnt out. And I, and all the time for this period of time, I felt, and this probably sounds really corny, uh, but I felt like I wanted to grow. I felt like I was restricting my body from growing. It just felt like if I yeah. put food, I was going to explode. So, In the meantime, at the time I was sponsored by SSN, Uh, Sean Bushby, who was the uh, distributor for the UK, had approached me at Body Power, where I'd worked the stand, about live logging my next cycle. Um, He'd seen the impact Rich Piano had had, and and basically he said, you know, that's probably a good idea. And I said, well, fair enough, but if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it my way. I'm not doing it in this old fancy American sort of singing way. I'm just gonna do it straight, honest, because I know Rich doesn't tell everything. He's selective about what he releases because it all has to feel good. Um, and he was like, great, fine. So he was all up for it, spoke to head office, head office weren't. Uh, but this time I'm sold on the idea because I'm also thinking this is a great way to uh, reach people about drug management and, and harm reduction. Yeah. Use myself as a guinea pig. So I played around with slightly higher doses over the recent years. So I had a rough idea of where I was aiming with the drugs Uh, and I stopped the diet and I put the hammer down and off we went. Uh, I did it all live via Facebook and YouTube and um, I ended up at 365 pounds. Now when the water came off, I was sitting at 355. Uh, And to be fair, I wasn't in that bad nick. I was still holding quite a bit of water as my kidney condition, but I wasn't overly fat. So there was definitely a good, you know, easy 20, 25 pound of muscle stuck on. Um, anyway, uh, since a very young age, I'd uh, toyed with the idea of 400 pound. Ever since hearing, uh, oh God, what's his name? Told you I'm shooting with names, uh, died recently. Greg Kovacs. Yeah. yeah. Ever since hearing about Greg Goholt, Kovacs hitting 400 pounds, that number had always stuck in my head. And I wasn't trying to emulate Greg in any way, because Greg was like six foot five or something. I didn't even know that at the time initially. Uh, it was just more. I'd always had that number stuck in the back of my head from from being about 18. You know, what if you can reach 400 pounds of muscle? And so after we'd done the first film, because halfway through it, James rang me and said, "I don't want to film this. What do you say?" And I was like, "Yeah, okay, you know, well, let's do it." Um, so we we delivered the first film uh, and I, I took some downtime and I actually picked up quite a nasty little shoulder injury. Um, actually, well, actually I actually tore where my neck attaches to my first, second, third rib. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a real piggy injury and I was just getting over that and I started to feel good and I'm like, right, come on, we'll go for it. Let's let's go for the 400. Let's see if we can reach it. Um, so I got everything planned out and. Now, I'd recognized from the first cycle I'd done that was big that I'd been on too long. Yeah And I'd started to pick up a lot of niggles towards the end. And I'd gone past my peak performance, both power-wise and size-wise and everything. So I was only planning 16 weeks. Uh, and I was going to bring in insulin and growth for the very first time. And the, the actual steroids were going to come down a little bit. I was going to use about a gram less. Uh, so I set off with a a tapered increase because I've discovered that tapering at high dose is a lot better and a lot gentler on my system. Uh, and just as I started to get up to full dosage, um, I had a massive back spasm. I've had one or two in the past and and they're not being frequent. I have probably had about three in my whole life, but uh, it was a particularly nasty one. Uh, but I was fairly mobile, fairly quick. Sorry.
0: Is, uh, sorry. Is that related to the drugs or just completely that's no, nothing to do with
1: it? Okay. I'll get to what caused it in a second.
0: Okay.
1: And, um, uh, as soon as I was semi fit, I was back training. Now what had happened, um, a long time ago, I was crushed by a truck. Um, I died on the scene and was brought back. and. Um, the offset of that was I'd done quite a lot of soft tissue damage. That my body adapted, and I never had physio, so I never had any post-accident treatment as such. Uh, I shattered my sternum, I broke five ribs, um, I was black and blue all over. My eyes were bloodshot for about two months. It was a it was a, a close call. Um, anyway, um, the result of that was that my glutes and my lower ab all stopped working correctly. So my whole core support was coming from my lower back and my psoas. Yeah. Now, as I was starting to go on my next cycle, I'd recognize that my glutes weren't firing correctly and I needed to do something about it because basically I've got to a seven plate squat and I couldn't get any more.
0: Okay.
1: I was yeah. frustrated that I knew I had more power, but I couldn't seem to deliver it. And I went to some friends who were part and said, your ass isn't working properly. You need to get your glutes to fire. So I was using what to me were light weights and trying to focus on my glutes. The problem is they were too heavy for my glutes to recruit correctly. So it was throwing it all onto my lower back. My lower back went into spasm. So that's what caused the spasm. Because I came back too quickly. My lower back couldn't work properly. So everything went into my psoas because my lower core still wasn't working and my glutes weren't working. So basically all my core support went into my psoas. My psoas went into fit and crushed my femoral nerve. That put me in a wheelchair. For how long? On and off six months. Okay. Now, initially, I thought i oh, will be right in a week or two. So I, I didn't bother lowering the dose. That week or two soon became four weeks, five weeks, six weeks. And I'm like, shit, I'm going to do something about this. So I lowered it. The- Bear in mind, I'm still training. Yeah. I'm crawling up the steps and crawling around the gym on my hands and knees. Because I was so focused on achieving this goal, I wasn't stopping. And we'd committed to filming, so I wasn't stopping for that either. So... I'm crawling around the gym from machine to machine. I'm passing out in corners with the pain. Um, So um, I then lowered the drugs and things started to improve a little bit. And I started to feel like, right, I'm on the mend now. All right, I can't squat. I can't dead. But I can do a lot of machine work. I can get through this. I've got to get this film finished. I can do this just I'll have to stick to machines. So I brought the dose back up again. Then I had another spasm back in hospital again for three days uh I've had numerous spinal blocks at this point and no one could actually tell me what was wrong because at this point I didn't know what was wrong they're all saying oh it's coming from your, your vertebrae it's coming from here it's coming from there now my back is a bit worn but it's not in any really bad condition and I'm like I know it's not it doesn't feel like that and I went to Stuart Gosgrove physio uh who used to be Dorian's physio and he said it's not your back but he couldn't pinpoint where it was he wasn't yeah. sure then I stumbled across a physio called Chris Oldfield, and he found it. And Chris fixed me, effectively. But all this time, I'm still on cycle. So I keep pushing, I keep pushing. And I'm still growing. I mean, I'm still growing, but my appetite starts to go. I'm struggling to eat food. I find I'm getting fatter and fatter and fatter, and I don't understand it. My power's not going up. Now, I was a five-plate shoulder presser. I rep 220 on my shoulders. I bench 220. And it's like, oh, I'm down. All my power's down. What's going on? Uh, and eventually, um, it got to the point it's like, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm, I'm quitting. It's done. I'm not doing it. I'd hit 400. So I was like, yeah. it wasn't the 400 I wanted, I was far too fat for what I thought. But I couldn't understand why I was fat because I wasn't eating enough to be fat. So, um anyway then very shortly after that basically i got such bad water retention even my nuts swelled up so i was admitted into hospital and they said your kidney function's really low um uh, you've got fsgs basically some of the filters in my kidneys were damaged yeah okay mm-hmm. what's caused this he says you've had this for a long time i said was it the steroids he went no not at all it's your size you're too damn big i went into hospital on the monday and I came out on the Friday, fifty no, seventy-five pounds lighter. Wow. That's how much fluid. And the second cycle was really, to a large degree, a complete waste of time because I never ate enough to support my muscle mass. Yeah. So when I came out of hospital, I had abs. That's how much the water was muddying the physique. The strange thing was, at one point, i pissed around with my electrolytes and my salts and stuff and managed to get all the water intramuscular. And for that period of time, which was about three weeks, I was 392 and I looked fucking great for it. Yeah. Uh, but I couldn't hold the water where it needed to be because my kidneys just wouldn't do it. So, um, and that was the end of it, basically. And then I, I, I tapered down. I, I came off. I spent six minutes clean. And I did a short cycle uh, just before I went on because I was dieting and I just wanted to retain some mass. Uh, found I didn't really need it, so I dropped that as well.
0: Okay, uh, and so do you? Do you think the the drugs, the steroids, uh, and the other drugs will constantly be a part of your life? So whether it's doing those small cycles when you need them, or do you ever see yourself being completely uh, cut off from the drugs?
1: I don't know. Um, what I can say is, if I don't have a requirement for them, I won't use them. I mean, like, I'm dieting now and I've not touched a fat burner.
0: Okay.
1: Not one. Because I don't feel it's necessary at this point. Um, I've gone, I'm trying a keto diet for the first time, and so far it seems to be working quite well. Uh, I'm not lean, lean, but far from it, but I'm probably sitting at about 20%. And it's slowly coming down, and abs are slowly starting to become visible. And you know what? I haven't touched a fat burner because I have no need to touch a fat burner. Now, I may change the attitude at a later day, but at the moment, I'm happy to do the work and leave the drugs alone. Um, I can't say I'll never use again. Uh, I, I would suspect that there'll be a point where I think usage is not relevant for size, but then I'll probably start looking at usage from a point of view of TRT. Yeah. So I, I don't think, if I'm honest, they'll ever be gone, but I think there'll be extended periods of time when I don't use. Okay.
0: Uh, I mean, on that note, do you know if anyone, do you you think it's possible for people to start using these drugs and see the benefits, the size, the strength, the feeling of well-being that you get from some of these drugs, experience that, and then come off completely sort of for the rest of their lives? Is that
1: Yeah, I mean, I have seen people do it, but at the end of the day, it's down to you as an individual and how you approach them. Yeah. You know, I have I have seen people do that. I've seen people use fat burners once and once only because they've been morbidly obese and they needed to get down at a rapid rate, and then once they're down, they've never touched them again. Uh, and I've seen people use steroids in the same manner. It isn't that common. But, yeah, I have, I have seen it occur, and it all down to you as an individual and how strong your willpower is and how you approach the subject. Yeah. Um, I mean, my I remember my first steroid use, it was almost ritualistic, because I thought I was doing something that was such a big taboo. Uh, Well, I suppose in a way it was back then, I mean I was 24, so it was uh, over 20 years ago it wasn't commonplace. Now, you don't have to go far to meet another steroid user.
0: Okay, Uh, and you've done the two documentaries now, Um, what is next for you in terms of going through this process of educating about drugs, looking into drugs more, what is next for yourself?
1: Well, the current, current two, the, I've got currently three, four projects. Uh I'm to, to develop my arm reduction business uh, and educate to wherever and any, whoever will be daft enough to sit in front of me and listen. Yeah. Um, I'm writing a book. But that's going to take a while, so don't be expecting to see anything within the next six months. It's probably going to be twelve months.
0: Okay. And so,
1: uh-huh.
0: is that book about yourself, or is that?
1: Sort no, of... it's a book about steroids. Okay. I don't I write a book about myself. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be interesting, I think. Uh, uh, I th- I've had a very varied <laughs> life.
0: <laughs> from what I know about uh, you, I think it would be interesting. Yeah. Uh,
1: I'd have to get someone to write it for me. I don't think I could yeah. personally actually do it. But if, if someone wants to volunteer to ghostwrite it, crack on.
0: Okay.
1: Um, <laughs> Um, I'm developing an app called PedPal. Um, and like I say, if you just think of uh, MyFitnessPal for steroid users. Yeah. Uh, that's development with a couple of other people, and I'm more the corporate things where I'm, I'm a part of it. It's not solely mine. Okay. Um, and sorry,
0: will that go into the app store? I'm not sure. It's sort of, yes. Uh, yes. Okay. So is the way that will go in sort of as an educational tool? Um, as opposed to sort of encouraging it's a
1: safety, it's a safety tool yeah. it will build your cycles for you but it has preset limitations in it so for argument's sake if you put in that you're going to take a thousand milligrams of test it will automatically tell you you have to choose some form of estrogen management yeah. it will automatically tell you that you need to correct check your lipids it will actually tell you that you need a blood test after four weeks to see where things are it has input for your blood tests. So when you enter your blood test, it tells you what stuff's out of range, what could be causing it, what supplements you can take to deal with it and what drugs could be likely behind it. Yeah, Uh, it will plot your blood plasma levels for you. It will alarm you when you're due injections or medications. Um, so it doesn't plot a cycle and it advises you as what to take, but what it does do is advise you as what not to take.
0: Okay, let see. So it's for people who have already decided to take...
1: To yeah, so to if, if you decided, you're right, I'm going to take a gram of deca. If you put in a gram of Decker into this app, this app will suddenly fire back at you. This is not advisable.
0: Okay.
1: Because you get massive shutdown and you're going to have serious libido issues. Yeah. And it's stuff like that. So it has preset warnings and, and advisory notes that kick in automatically. And it'll plot your PCT for you and it will encourage you to do blood tests and it'll encourage you to, to check the various areas of danger. So there's all that going on with it. Yeah. Um, and then the other things I have going on are that I am about to venture into the world of corporate speaking. Excellent. Uh, a gentleman who does it for a living, who has been very successful. At it, my name is David Thomas. He was actually on ITV the other night on yeah. Go For It. He's a memory expert. Um He's a friend of a friend. He's been put in touch with me and we've had a chat and he, he thinks it could be very lucrative for me. Yeah. If nothing else, the way I look at it, well, if nothing else, he's willing to coach me and train me for three. So the way I look at it, if nothing else, it'll improve my speaking on drug seminars anyway. Yeah, sense. It'll make me a more effective deliverer of my message that I've got to go across with a drug point of view anyway. So I can't really lose on this in one way or the other. Yeah. Uh- and the last thing that I've got developing is my website which should actually be finished today or tomorrow but then i need to start inputting a lot of data on it and that holds a drug library a drug database uh, both for hormones and for prescription drugs and it will also have articles on various aspects of steroid use and it also has an ask me button and uh, it will be subscriptions which i will then be my primary use of giving out advice
0: yeah and uh, um, what is the the address for that
1: that is ww.crossland okay, crosland It's a paypal managed prescription for ninety-nine a month. That should launch in somewhere within two weeks. Uh, so there the the basis where I am is developing I have some other non-drug related goals. Um uh, yeah. long term mm-hmm. This is probably going to make you laugh. Uh, I, me and my wife are looking at opening a um, luxury boutique bed and breakfast. Okay. However, coupled with this, we want to open a Viking themed feasting hall.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Um, and we are considering combining the two yeah. and basically opening a bed and breakfast that is a Viking village. Yeah. Um, so you'd sleep in a yurt, but we would have luxury bathrooms on the back of it, and there'd be a yeah. central hall where you went for your meals. And, and on a weekend, we'd, we'd also have two feasts, which you could come, and there'd be characters in everyone's in, in costume, and there'd be certain characters that tell you stories about Viking life and, and various other bits and bobs. So a bit real truth and a bit Hollywoody yeah uh but you just immerse you into the whole experience and and we want to do that that's okay. our long term so basically all this stuff is to finance that
0: yeah <laughs> no I, I mean i wouldn't be surprised if that that takes off i think there's definitely a market for sort of themed experiences and themed getaways.
1: I, I so think... I think there is, and and I think if done right with the right mix of luxury and authenticity, um, it could really work well. Yeah. Uh, location is obviously very important, um, but yeah, we've 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 gone and done quite a bit of research on various aspects of it. So it's just a case now of uh, getting the finances together, yeah. which obviously isn't going to be cheap, but we'll get there.
0: Great. Uh, and just last thing, when were you, do you think you'll be up and running with the, the corporate speaking events? Do you have anything booked in already?
1: No. Um, David's going to, he's away all, most of this week. He's apparently going to get in touch with me at the back end of this week and arrange for us to sit down and have a coffee sometime next week. Yeah. Uh, where we will schedule in some training. Uh, and apparently, this training is pretty full on. He just said to me, expect to be with me for 10 hours a day and it'll be nonstop all day long. Yeah. And he says I don't mess around. And if you're gonna do this, you need to prove that you can commit to doing it correctly. So that's why I do the training the way I do, which is yeah. all right. Once he feels I'm at a level that is competent to to enter the corporate world, then he will start trying to find me a few gigs and then hopefully from there he'll just go off himself.
0: Yeah. Perfect. So I look forward to maybe seeing you at those those events in future. I mean, for us to keep up with where you're going to be speaking, some of the stuff that you're working on, uh, where can we find you on social media? Uh,
1: On Facebook, just as Dave Crossland. Uh, um, I do have, uh, under construction, the freak as a Facebook page as well. Unfortunately, my my friend's page is at its limit at 5,000, and I think I've got somewhere around 2,000 waiting in friend requests. Okay. So, unfortunately, you can only follow me, but obviously, because the other page is an athlete page, um, you can jump on that if you want. There's no issue there. Uh, And I'm not brilliant at keeping them up to date, but I do try and get some on there fairly regular. YouTube channel is UC The Freak, um, and that's, at the moment, I I do regular updates on what I'm doing, but I also, on a weekly basis, uh, put up a video about a drug. Okay. So slowly, I'm building a YouTube library of all the injectables that are, and the oral. Yeah. Done the orals, the vast majority of orals. So now I'm starting on the injectables, and then when I've done that, I'll go into other drugs like estrogen management and and DHT management and all those sort of areas as well. Uh, so that's another area where you can sort of grab me and and check out stuff. Uh, and then obviously the website itself, which will maybe not so much progress what I'm doing personally, but it will continually be updated with uh, new articles on, on various aspects of yeah. steroid, steroid development, new drugs coming through, and just general steroid stuff like history management and stuff like that.
0: Dave, really appreciate your time. It's been really informative. I mean, it's great. I think we're way past the, the point where these drugs should be demonised, and I think we are at the point where there does need to be more education, more information out there for people. So I really respect what you're doing, and, uh, yeah, can't wait to see what you've got in the, in the pipeline in future.
1: Thank you very much, Sean. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you. All right, take care, Dave. Cheers,
1: Cheers now. Bye-bye. You. Bye.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode of the mind body power podcast if you did please give us a like on facebook or rate and review us on itunes